Hi there, my name's James Herman and I'm what's known as a distinctive asset, which is something that makes people think immediately of a certain brand, like the Golden Arches make people think of McDonald's or the Swoosh makes people think of Nike. When the most effective marketing and advertising people hear me, they think of the Master of Advertising Effectiveness brand. The Master of Advertising Effectiveness is a six-week online program in partnership with Walk where I'll give you a next-level understanding of how to make advertising that creates consistently better commercial results. One important ingredient is distinctive assets, like me. And me being here on this ad is one of the many reasons this campaign is the most effective advertising campaign in the world. Confused? You won't be when you become a master of advertising effectiveness. Get started at mae.academy. That's mae.academy. Hello, and welcome to The Work Podcast. I'm Anne-Marie Kerwin, America's editor, and today we're going to talk about Gen Z. Joining me is Amanda Peters, Adam and Eve DDB's head of strategy. Hello, Amanda. Hi, Anne-Marie. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so glad that you're here. Um, Our talk today is going to be based on our current consumer trends report. Um, Our insights team analyzed consumer survey data from GWI, a global research firm, and they created three regional reports out of that, one for North America, one for Europe, and one for APAC. The global report looked at five trends that are driving consumer behavior around the world, but today we're going to look at the three that are most relevant to the U.S. Gen Z consumer. And Amanda, I know your work as a strategist has meant that you've spent a lot of time thinking about the Gen Z consumer. So what have you learned? Yeah, a lot. As you can imagine, almost all of our clients want to reach Gen Z or at the very least are interested in learning more about them. So we spend a lot of time observing and studying, but I think most importantly, talking to this group. Um, I often have to remind myself that much of Gen Z, they're not kids anymore. You know, they are between the ages of 11 and 26. But that means that there's a good chunk of them, they have graduated from school. They are actually out in the workforce and have been for a few years. And they make up over 20% of the U.S. population. And what's interesting, you know, their spending power is only increasing. They hold over $360 billion in disposable income. That's more than double what it was just a few years ago. That's right. It's true. A lot of the Gen Z we think of as kids or teens, but they're starting their adult life. And a lot of them had a very odd end to their teenage years. Yeah, they sure did. I think, you know, of course, the pandemic was a strange backdrop for all of us. uh, But I try to imagine being a teen stuck at home during some of those most formative years. But as a result of that, you know, Gen Zers, they were very active online as they continued to be. But those actions and opinions were amplified uh, even more than ever. And so we were lucky enough, you know, to, to be there and actually witness some of their most formative years unfolding right before us. Um, I think one of the most interesting things about this generation, though, is it's really, really hard to anticipate their next move, especially as it relates to some of that nitty gritty pop culture stuff. We do know so much of this generation is really anchored by a few key motivations. They care tremendously about sustainability. They care a lot about social justice and authenticity. And they've got really, really strong opinions, and they're not afraid to let brands know in particular, you know, with their voices, uh, which are even louder than before, but also with their wallets, what they think of particular brands. 
Right. Yeah, and that's great info to get us started. Let's talk about the three trends that we're going to be talking about today. The first is what sustainable living means to Gen Z. The second is Gen Z's mental health. That's a crisis that's worsening. And what does that mean for marketers trying to engage with them? And the third is the social commerce market, which is growing and changing the way consumers, but especially Gen Z, are discovering and researching products. So if we look at our first trend, sustainability, according to the GWI survey, over half of Gen Z consumers are willing to pay more for an eco-friendly product. Uh, Younger consumers have a greater tendency to perceive sustainable goods as practical investments. They're also more likely to view sustainable products as lasting longer, being of better quality. And 61% of all consumers say they're interested in buying secondhand products because that's better for the environment. And we know that a lot of Gen Z consumers love to go thrifting. What should marketers think about if they want to prove to Gen Z that sustainability is a priority? You know, one thing that's very interesting is that half stat. There's this fascinating tension of half of Gen Z being really rah-rah about sustainability, but it takes many, many forms. It's actually quite a big spectrum when we look at it. So you have those that are just starting to dip their toes in something or someone has sparked an interest, maybe an influencer, maybe a friend. They're perhaps doing some composting or they're searching Poshmark or their local thrift store before buying new. There's also this this set of of Gen Z who are into sustainability, but it's in this kind of more posh uh, way, in you know, kind of what we describe as influencer level sustainability. They're flaunting their secondhand finds. They're buying those very massive, expensive, you know, Stanley Cup tumblers. And then there's this more extreme end. They're the ones that are breaking it all down. Um, and and so we we do see this spectrum in terms of what sustainability means and how they're incorporating sustainability into their lives. But from a socioeconomic side, sustainability, unfortunately, right now tends to be a privilege. It's not cheap in money or time. We know these these folks are willing to pay more for eco-friendly products, but the question really becomes how much more. Right, exactly. They're young adults, so they're just starting to figure out their finances and budgeting and discovering what's realistic, and they might make some trade-offs, right? Uh, Absolutely. You know, while they care about sustainability, and we certainly see it, as we said, it can be expensive. And when they're having to choose between paying their bills or, you know, buying high-priced sustainable goods, guess what goes? You know, many Gen Zers, they're actually the ones that are fueling the fast fashion industry, which is the antithesis of sustainable. Uh, the the online retailer, and, and I had to, to ask some Gen Zers on my team how to, to say it, uh, Sheehan. I always said Sheen, but it's Sheehan. They've, they've assured me. It's exploding. Uh, they literally add 2,000 SKUs a day. So you can get these trendy clothes for just a few dollars. And I think it's very tempting to a lot of Gen Zers to be able to be fashionable and on trend when they don't have a lot of uh, extra money laying around. So I think as marketers, it's really important. We have to keep top of mind how subjective sustainability is. What might seem sustainable to one person might be seen as a sad excuse for sustainability to another. That's where the fun you know, work as, as a strategist kind of comes into play, really digging into this minutia and trying to understand it all and uncover what makes a particular audience tick and what actually matters to them when it comes to sustainability. We've got a, a great client, Cotton Inc., and they're a prime example here. You know, cotton is um, 
really very earth-friendly, sustainable fiber. And one of our jobs is to communicate that. But we don't just go out and say, hey, everybody, cotton sustainable. You know, we find a way to relate the benefits of sustainable choices to things we know that Gen Z cares about. So for example, we talk about cotton's overall sustainability and link it to durability, which is one of the product benefits. And the way we talk about that is, you know, perhaps it's in the context of receiving a treasured hand-me-down that happens to be cotton or thrifting, which is something we know that Gen Z cares deeply about. Um, On the other hand, sometimes there's real power in being point blank and authentic with with people on these matters. So cotton, you know, they don't produce microplastics. and, And quite simply, that just means it's a better choice for our oceans and marine life in comparison to a fabric like polyester. But, you know, in this case, we don't have to find a clever way of saying that. We can just share these really compelling facts with Gen Z. Um, and even better when we can, you know, bring these facts to the table and have conversations during moments that Gen Z is already thinking about sustainability. Um, you know, for example, Plastic Free July or Earth Day are some of these moments where we can really be an authentic part of that conversation. Right. Yeah. And I think I think an important part to emphasize is that marketers don't overplay how sustainable their products are. You know, that you're presenting a realistic view of how sustainable your policies are or how sustainable they can be, given all the various factors. Totally. A hundred percent. You know, one of the key drivers of Gen Z is their commitment and that expectation of authenticity authenticity. Um, We talk about how authentic they are and how they present themselves, but they have that same expectation of brands. They expect brands to also be clear about how they operate, what their values are, how they communicate with the world. It's about gaining respect for who you are. And if your brand has work to do, honestly, it's better to begin making the necessary changes and adaptations rather than trying to cover it all up. Um, but we, we do know, you know, when stuck between a rock and a hard place, people will often pick price over planet. So it ends up really being about finding, you know, that ultra personal mix of personal benefits and leaning into affordability with those more earth friendly, sustainable benefits. Um, one of our, our clients here in New York is Kroger, and we do a lot of thinking about uh, the modern consumer. And their shopping carts really portray this highly individualized trade-off between save, what, what they can save and, and where they want to splurge. And you can see that how for some consumers, they're going to splurge on fresh items, you know, locally raised meat that might be more of a splurge, but it's better for the environment. And they'll save in places where they don't think it matters as much like the pantry basics. Um, But as the grocery and the economy have such an emotional and intertwined relationship, our job is really about showing shoppers how we're here to support them through thick and thin. We're constantly asking ourselves How can we show up in an authentically Kroger way when they want to discover new products, when they have that wiggle room to try something a bit higher quality than usual, but also when their wallet is tight and they need us to help them save every step of the way? Yeah, I think, yeah, understanding how Gen Z approaches those trade-offs is so important. Um, Yeah, GWI's survey found that financial health is a major concern for Gen Z, with 81% saying that money was their biggest source of stress. So I think any marketer that can help address that stress is in a better place. 
that also ties into our second trend, which is Gen Z's worsening mental health. And sustainability actually is a thread that goes through that as well, because 34% of Gen Z consumers say that the climate crisis negatively impacts their mental health. So we see Gen Z under greater levels of stress from several areas all at once. But um, an interesting aspect that came out in the survey is that Gen Z is also more likely to prioritize their well-being. Um, They're much more likely than older generations to say that they prioritize managing their well-being, and they're doing that by um, spending more time doing hobbies and activities that they enjoy, exercising more, spending less time on social media, and then saying no to social activities in order to focus on themselves. Yeah, you're pointing out another really interesting uh, Gen Z tension. They're on the one hand doing more for themselves, but with a declining state of mental health. Um, so it's it's kind of interesting to think about what can brands do. And one of the things we see is it feels like brands are are able to provide more of an overall sense of escapism, escape from climate anxiety and financial fears, et cetera. Yeah, that's a good framework. Escape is a good framework, but um, maybe also a sense of comfort is what they're looking for. Um, what do you think? How do you think marketers should be thinking about their brand values and messaging if they want to prove to Gen Z that they've got products that fit with their priorities? Yeah, I, th- I think there's no secret sauce here. It's really not about changing all of your values overnight to to fit in with the crowd. You know, doing that, I think you know brands would crash and burn fast. Um, but instead, it's about identifying which particular values can be flexed and evolved to fit Gen Z's priorities. Uh, for instance, last year, you know, PlayStation 2K, we had a campaign that centered around Gen Z's affinity for self-expression. You know, lucky for us, it's a, a video game, and and the majority of of Gen Z already thinks you know that video games um, not only are fun, but actually they're good for their mental health. But then when you dig into that, you know, it's why. Well, gaming allows for this unrealistic kind of next level self-expression, you know, from their appearance to what they're capable of achieving. So within this game, you know, comes a level of immersion and disconnection from the outside world, which certainly does provide, I think, a, a sense of comfort, as, as you mentioned. Um, but gaming is also a place many Gen Zers have found deep and meaningful friendships. Um, we found this great story of four guys who who met on on the game as teens, and eventually that friendship continued and blossomed. And you know, recently um, these friends were best men at, at one of one of their weddings. So we we tried to you know take this and tie this notion of self expression to the product truth that it allows all players to imagine who they want to be and to be able to live out you know in this case their basketball fantasy selves through the 2K and PlayStation console. Um, when it's all said and done, though, it's really about identifying those true connections between your brand and Gen Z. That authenticity we hear it over and over again how essential it is to Gen Z. So. How, how can marketers um, convey that authenticity? What can they do to get to that place where they're able to be talking authentically? You know, one is talk to them, talk to Gen Z, hear them, hire them. Um, this should go without saying, but, you know, reflect them visually, emotionally in your marketing. Uh, but that that's only the, the start. I think it's very important to meet them where they are. We know that almost 40% of Gen Z spends more than four hours a day on social media. And, you know, not not every brand can be Duolingo, um, but it is important to invest the time and the resources 
to figure out how your brand can talk one-on-one with them. If you're not on TikTok, uh, you know, I would say you should be um, as a brand, but also personally, that's that's a way to understand the platform and what's happening and, and the, the culture that's being created there. Um, we can't help them express themselves though, you know, if we're not being authentic ourselves. So if there's one thing your brand does really well, that really connects with them, lean in. Um, maybe there's a tool or resource, you know, only your brand could provide that can help ease financial stress or, you know, um, the upcoming student loan debt payments or a calming experience that perhaps only your brand could create. Oh, that's such great uh, thinking there that to really lean into a true connection uh, because we hear over and over again how important that is to Gen Z. Authenticity and true connection shows up in our third trend as well when you're thinking about the rise of social commerce and influencers. Um, according to our the GWI survey, Nearly half of Gen Z follow influencers who regularly promote products or brands, and they're more likely to purchase a product recommended by influencers. And Gen Z, another difference is they're more likely to follow micro or nano influencers, those who are viewed as experts in their field rather than celebrity influencers. So when you're thinking about what makes an influencer authentic or able to make a true connection, uh, what type of influencers should marketers be thinking of aligning with if they want to reach this Gen Z audience? Yeah, there's there's a time and a place for celebrity talent versus influencer talent. And, and what's so special about those micro and nano influencers is their knowledge and a genuine passion in whatever space they're working in. Uh, but Working with influencers is is really a two-sided street. Uh, On the one hand, it's a brand's job to identify folks whose communities we're excited to engage with. But on the other hand, an authentic influencer is one that will you know, only work with your brand if they're excited about your practices, your products, and your brands. And that does come through. So, you know, there was actually, to to bring up Sheehan again, you know, a recent PR disaster. They brought a bunch of um, influencers to their factory to talk about sustainability. And it it was a horrible result. They, They got ripped apart because that was not an authentic connection. Right. Yeah, that's the kind of PR marketers really want to avoid, right? To have a that disconnect between what a influencer can message for you, whether it seems uh, in line with what's actually happening, right? You can't have that disconnect if you want to make sure that you're getting the most important aspect of your message across. Yeah, totally. And and I think, you know, on the on the most basic level, the most authentic influencer out there, they probably don't have a hashtag ad pasted on every single post. So I think that's just something to look for. If you're lucky, you know, it's it's hard to come by. But the, the key thing is that they're showing up as themselves and it's evident um, that they could click with, with your audience and community. So how, how should marketers be thinking about working with influencers? Yeah, I think first, have people on your team who know the ins and outs of social whose job is dedicated to finding those influencers and ambassadors that are going to make sparks fly for your brand. 
uh, people who are deep in it and can take time finding the right folks, but but people also you know know how to call those those fast shots. Um, there was a, a great story earlier this summer. You know, Airbnb saved Alex Earl and her friends. You know, when they were scammed in Italy, and it all started with a TikTok comment. You know that that was a moment of serendipity, but an amazing example of you know someone who saw it and was on it and could genuinely uh, save the day and make that connection. I know that's amazing, right? When you can have that online connection work out so well, but we we can't always count on serendipity, right? So what are the best practices to keep in mind as you're working with influencers if you can't be responding in the moment to something? Sure. You know, generally marketers should think about working with influencers as relationship building. I think the the days of influencers, you know, just posing with your product paired with a brand edited caption are over. Um, it's about spending time finding the folks who are, you know, out there who are already champions of your brand. And you may be surprised, you know, they're not who you think they are. Maybe it is, you know, that Gen Z trend forward TikTok influencer. But maybe it's this unsuspecting Midwestern mom, you know, who's been running the same blog with a, a cult following for years. Um, but if you're really dead set on cultivating a partnership with someone who isn't already familiar and a fan of your brand, then it's important you put that time in and you work with them to to really cultivate an authentic relationship. Uh, and go in knowing it might fail, you know, but share your product and the brand with them. And if there's a connection, explore what that genuine partnership might look like and bring them into that process um, so that they can can drive uh, that content. Um, and, and on that note, you know, it's really important to give these, these influencers agency in what they're creating. Some of the best work has come out of loose guidelines, I think minimal edits, if, if any at all, because at the end of the day, these influencers, you know, they know what connects and resonates with their audience. So let them do their thing. Those are great tips for approaching those influencer relationships. And I think it's so important for marketers to remember that you need to have that trust so that the influencers are able to have the agency and continue to connect with the audience in that authentic way. Um, I think another great tip that's come out of today's talk is to keep Gen Z's prime concerns front and center, sustainability, social justice, authenticity, all those things that are really important to them. I think it's very important that marketers frame their messages with that in mind. So Amanda, I want to thank you so much for taking the time today to explore Gen Z with me. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for being here. For those who want to explore these trends further, WARC's 2023 Consumer Trends Report for North America is available now for WARC subscribers. That's it for today. If you don't already, remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. That way you'll never miss an episode. And thanks for listening.